Have you been told you need to stop doing what you love, whether it's exercise, running, or a sport? Well, here at Dynamic, we don't like that answer. In this podcast, we'll talk to leaders in the health and wellness space from Southwest Florida to get the solutions you need to get you back to doing what you love. Welcome to the Dynamic Naples podcast. What's going on, Southwest Florida? Today, I have a very special guest. I've got Perry Nicholson on the podcast. So, Perry, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me on. It's great to be here. So Perry has become an expert in the lymphatic uh, system. So I was hoping we could start off by you talking about what brought you to that point. How did you get into lymphatics? Sure. That'd be great to talk about. And then I'll tell people exactly what it is. Um, Honestly, it's like a lot of people who get into something. You're broken sometimes, right? And you get into it. Honestly, you throw no free will choice of your own initially. Because I probably would not have looked at lymphatics at all if I didn't get really, really sick. But about 10 years ago, I got really sick. And the stuff that I that I already knew or tried to find out on getting better wasn't working. And what everybody else was trying to do to help me wasn't working. If anything, it was making me worse. So I already knew that wasn't the right model. <laughs> and when I hit rock bottom, I'm like, okay, you got two choices here, man. You can give up which I damn near did and got close to it several times because, you know, pain wears you down, man, mentally and physically. But I said, okay, well, I'm not going to go down that road. (laughs) So I got another choice, which is to uh, keep going. But more importantly, I had to keep going, but change the way that I was thinking because it's that same old line that, you know, you can't get to a place when you have the same thought process. You're going to keep going back to the same place. And I knew that I was missing something and it ended up finding the lymphatic system, uh, which I had never honestly really taken a look at before because I didn't feel that I had to. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt as yeah. a physical therapist. We never really learned much besides the. So well, they don't teach you much on lymph, yeah. even in med school, you get a page if you're freaking lucky. It's changing, which is really nice to see because it's sort of trending now lymphatics. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons is because when you start to work it, you're like, holy cow, man, I feel freaking awesome. You feel great when you do it. Uh, but yeah, so I started to get into the lymphatics and it was a missing component because the, nobody really looks at the lymphatics, which is a system that's part of your immune system. So that right there should tell you it's kind of important if you're really sick. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the other one is card- a part of your vascular system which is your blood flow system. And you should look at that too, because if you don't get blood flow to tissue and blood flow away from tissue, I don't care what you do. You're not getting better. Those are two big things, right? And of important. (laughs) Yeah. But here's the thing. Nobody looks at lymphatics clinically unless you have two things. One uh, lymphedema, which means the lymphatic system, there's something up with it. And then you get a body part that becomes abnormally swollen or sometimes multiple body parts or the whole body. Um, And then, you know, you need to look at your lymph system. And the other one is cancer because they tell you that the cancer can spread through the lymphatic system, which should already tell you that it goes everywhere. But the lymphatic system's job is to also kill cancer. So I'm going to contend maybe you got it because your lymph system was a hot mess for so many years. You didn't know it yet. And then you got the cancer. So it'll be interesting to see that. So those are the clinical signs of cancer. But they're finding now that you can have subclinical or asymptomatic things that show up as other comorbidities, which means everything else on the radar 
<laughs> and you're just not looking at your lymphatics. And that was the case for me. But in hindsight, I now that you don't know what you don't know, but now that I know what to look for, I'm like, holy cow, man, you are a walking giant lymph node. I mean, I was so swollen and puffy and inflamed. I can spot it in a hot second on anybody now. And now that I look back, I probably had an issue with that system for many, many years before you know I hit rock bottom. And That's I knew I was on the right track because when I started to work on it, just baseline stuff, I mean, nowhere near what I know now, just baseline stuff. And I kid you not, within three days, I had a 50% improvement in how I felt physically and more importantly, in my brain fog. And that's, that's you flip the switch and I never looked back. That was it. Wow. So, okay. Kind of what you're saying seems like is that um, the medical system currently has it like reactive. Like it's only when you've got cancer or lymphedema, but there's a whole spectrum before you even get there. And yes. A set of, and so there's recognizable symptoms of, okay, you're not there yet. Lymphedema. Like what are some of those symptoms looking like? Well, inflammation and pain is one of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> right. Because here's the thing. I mean, you're supposed to get inflammation because that's how your body attacks things and kills things, but you're supposed to not keep it. You're supposed to get rid of it. That's one of the reasons why they come to see people like us so we can help them with that process. So inflammation is not a bad thing. And But the number one system to control inflammation in the body is the uh, and eliminate it is the lymphatic system. So it drains your inflammation. So then what I tell people is maybe you're swollen because stuff can't get out. So I think this would be a good opportunity to talk about like what exactly is the lymphatic system. I know we all know it, but I think my audience is probably like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I got news for you. I say lymphatic system. There's a lot of people in healthcare who look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. Or if they do, they don't know the importance of it, which is why I'm really honored that you invited me on the show. I take all the opportunity that I can to expose people. Because if you knew what I knew about lymph, you'd never look at anything else first. You'd go there first. So the lymph system is part of one of the body systems in your body. And it's part of your immune system. It's the primary part of your immune system, which is its job is to kill stuff. Stuff that gets inside of you that you don't want there that needs to get out. And it's viruses, it's bacteria, it's parasites, it's cancer cells, it's fungus. You name it, the lymph will scan it when it gets into your body. But it also removes cellular metabolic waste products from an injury. So when you have an injury, you damaged cells. That stuff's going to get out too. Anytime you exercise and you train, you intentionally destroy cells so you can hopefully make new ones and become a monster, right? Uh -huh. Well, those got to get out too. And anytime that your cells recover, repair, and regenerate, or you eat food, you're regenerating and making new cells and every cell poops. That's called a metabolic mitochondrial ATP cycle, Krebs mm -hmm. cycle. It's poop is what it is. So your cells poop inside of you, your body, and they poop into the fluid. And it, it's not supposed to stay in that fluid. It's got to be flushed out like a toilet. Well, the lymph is the primary system that does that. So it's like a sewage system in your body, like the toilets in your house. You go to the bathroom in your house and you flush the toilet and it goes bye-bye. Right now, imagine if your toilet, every time you went in there, it was backed up. And every time you tried to flush it, it wouldn't go down. I wouldn't want to be in your house. Right. Yeah. Well, your cells feel the same way. They don't want to be there either, but they can't get out. <laughs> you can't go anywhere. 
So they're surrounded by toxicity and then you'll pay the price through inflammation. But they're also immune scanners. So you have lymph nodes in your body and you got about four to 700 of them, depending on the research that you see. And they're those little mini toilets, basically. And when stuff goes into the lymph node, it scans it and it sends a message to your immune system to say, this is here. This is what it is. This is what I need for you to send in and kill it. So they're really important. All right. And so you'll get an immune system response to anything. So if you get caught in an immune system response, sometimes that's because the waste can't get out and your immune system stays on go all the time. And it starts to break you down. And you know what that's called? An autoimmune disorder. That's what that's called. I was just going to ask about that because I'm obsessed with autoimmune disorders. So do you think that a lot of autoimmune disorders really stem from some sort of blockage of the immune system? Or the, yeah, uh, the I think so. hundred percent. You yeah. just got to have the research to catch up with it. And they're finding it all the time. Once that they're looking at, there's a condition called inflammatory interstitial stasis, a big fancy word. Inflammatory means inflammation. Stasis means what? Stagnation, no movement. Uh -huh. And the lymph is supposed to move fluid out of your body. And interstitial is the fluid between the tissues of the body. Sounds and that fluid <laughs> becomes static. You get inflammation and then the immune system kicks into gear. And then you get all the symptoms of an immune system disorder because the body's trying to fight what's there. Right. And it's also part of your vascular system, like I mentioned before, because the lymph actually forms embryologically early on in your life from the veins of the body, the venous system. And the first cluster of lymph nodes that gather are at the neck, right at the collarbone, right there. That's also the drainage point for all the lymphatics in the body. All the lymph drains to the collarbone into what's called subclavian veins. Sub means below, clavians for clavicle and the veins to take it back towards the heart and the lungs. So the systems interconnect. They're separate in name, but nothing in the body is ever separate, ever. So if you have a vascular circulation issue, you can have a lymph issue. No can, you will have a lymph issue. If you have a lymph issue, you'll have a vascular circulation issue anywhere in the body. And that's big because you compromise the two fundamental things that you need to get better. And I, I just, when I got sick, I had to break this down to like kindergarten level and say, okay, why in the hell am I not getting better from all these complicated therapies that are supposed to work? Something's missing. So I went back to like Sesame Street level, C-spot run. I got a cell and I got a cell that wants to heal, recover, and regenerate and function at its optimum so I can be a, a monster. What does it need? Well, it needs oxygen and nutrients. Those are two pretty big ones. And then I think to myself, well, how in the hell does it get those things? Once you eat it and once you breathe it, it's got to get there through blood. So that's the supply chain to something. Now, most people don't even have that. It's not even getting there. Why? Because they already have too much inflammation. Then if it does get there, and the cell says, this is great. Thank you very much. I'm going to use this quick. And then it uses it to make energy through the mitochondria, ATP. Whenever you have energy, you have a metabolic process. You always create waste. So then waste goes out. And then the waste has to get out. Those two things. 
So my fundamental premise is this. If you're missing any of these, you will not get better no matter what you do. So you're and I'll not stand by that it or it's not evacuating, right? Basically. Both. You can't have one yeah. without the other. That makes sense. So you have to have nutrients in, but you have to get waste out. Because here's what you need to understand. The body will not allow anything in that it can't get out. Which means just because you're putting something in the body doesn't mean you're absorbing it. That's what that means. And a lot of people are not. Many people drink water and they're still dehydrated. Many people breathe all day long and they're not getting oxygen. Many people take in nutrients and not get into the cell. It just goes right on through or it stays in the system. And then you tread water and you don't know why you're getting better. So what I tell people is you have to do it in a specific order, which means you don't put nutrients in until you get waste out. Garbage in, groceries in. Garbage <laughs> out, groceries in. Yeah. So yeah. that's why lymphatic work in my work always comes first. That makes always. a lot of sense. So you think yeah. that lymphatic blockage will uh, decrease absorption of nutrients? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah because yeah. you're going to have so much waste in the tissue, so much swelling and inflammation. You don't have the what they call the milieu, the environment that's conducive to the cells to absorb it, but your cells are not stupid. They're going to say to themselves, dude, I'm not going to take in more stuff. I can't even get out what you already have. If I do that, you're going to get worse, you know, and, and that's what happens. So, and you got to remember that all these detox organs that we want to detox the liver, we want to get the colon on going, want to get the lungs going. I'm going to give you one guess what ensures that they function well, <laughs> blood <that>. flow and <laughs> oxygen. <laughs> Okay. If you yeah. don't have those, you're in big trouble, right? And they're finding the role of lymphatics is actually going to be way more than just like a sewage system of the body. It is critical for organ development. So where does it start? Where does uh, blockage of the lymphatic system start? That's a good, where or why? I guess why is a better question. Because where it can start anywhere it damn well wants. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you the place that it most likely starts. So let's first go over where most of the lymph in the body is located. It's everywhere. Most of it's in the skin. That's why the skin usually shows when you have lymphatic issues. You get acne, you break out, you have dermatological issues. Um, the neck is the second largest location. You have... 400 to 700 lymph nodes in the body, one third of that number is from the neck up. I want you to think about that for a minute and then ask, say, wow, that's a really cool number. I want you to sit back and ask yourself, why is it that many there? Why would nature do that? Because it knows that's really important real estate up there because that's where your brain sits. And I got to drain the waste around my central nervous system and my autonomic nervous system there. So that's why in my world, I always work the neck and the head for lymphatics, no matter what you got, because I know it's going to be a factor because it's going to affect how your brain functions and how your brain functions impacts how you perceive pain, right? Now, the place where you have the greatest lymphatics is in the gut, the, the abdomen, particularly the, the small intestines. That's where most of your immune system lives too. So 70% of your immune system lives in your gut. And then your body said, well, it's probably a good idea. to put most of your lymph there too, right? 
So if you have a lymphatic problem, you have a gut problem. If you have a gut problem, you have a lymph problem. You can't have one without the other. Why? Because if anything breaks through the gut, your immune system has to attack it quick, fast, and in a hurry. So the lymphatics, they have special lymph in there called lacteals that attack it. So that's the first place that will send your body through an immune system. And people know that who are watching who may be sensitive to food or you eat something and then you're, you're set on and off. And most of your neurotransmitters are in your gut. You got the vagus nerve in your gut, right? You got microbiota, all that stuff there. So that's the first place that you're going to manifest it. But you won't really know that it's limp. You're just going to complain that it's irritable bowel syndrome or, you know, SIBO. And I'm going to tell you, you got a, you got a lymph problem, right? Because it's breaking through there. And that sets off the immune system everywhere. Now, here's the question on why you get it. This is easy. I'm joking, but I'm not. I'll expand it on in a minute. Uh, because you're alive on this planet. That's why you got it. It's called L-I-F-E. <laughs> right? It's, it's stress, emotional stress and physical stress because stress tightens up tissue and tight tissue doesn't move fluids well, right? You put yourself through a sympathetic dominant autonomic nervous system, fight or flight, and that rules the lymphatics and that can kick off your immune system to go into high gear. It's called a neuroimmune response. Anytime you get a heightened nervous system response, the immune system prepares itself because it thinks you're going to get hurt. So it's ready for anything that's headed your way. So it's always on. All right. And the other one is toxins coming into your body from how you think, your relationships, which affects your body chemistry, but also mostly through you know, what we put on our skin, all the, the stuff that's in the modern day world, what you breathe, and probably the worst one is what, you know, what people put in their mouth, which is supposedly food these days, but it's got who knows what the hell's in there. Then you mix all that stuff together and then your lymphatic system's like, you're kidding me, right? Like you're killing me. You're literally killing me here. I can't keep up anymore. And then eventually it reaches to a point where it can't do it anymore. And then that's when it sends you the signals that it needs an issue. And that's usually uh, pain and inflammation. So the lymphatic system, you know, is supposed to function at optimum. It can get overwhelmed, but it should recover from that. So there's a few things that move your lymphatics. Now, movement moves lymph. That's like moving water. Now, we are mostly water in our body and it needs to move. And humans are designed to move and humans, at least in the West, we don't move. We sit all the time. So we become very stagnant. Right? And then the other one is diaphragm breathing, breathing through the diaphragm. Now, people who, who follow your show might know what that is, but some don't. It's a muscle that sits in the lower part of the rib cage that when you breathe in, it expands and pushes your organs down towards the floor. And then when you exhale, the muscle relaxes and it lets the organs come back up. So to me, the biggest part of breathing is to move your organs. And then that's a pump. And that moves the lymph because most of the lymph sits in your gut and the largest lymph node in your body called the cisterna chile sits right in the center of your abdomen. So if you don't move and then you don't breathe through your diaphragm, you're already in big trouble, right? Yes. And then this is when people tell me, this is the, what follows next. Doc. 
I'm a breathing ninja, man. I do every type of breathing you could think of. I've studied with the best. I move all the time, any way you name it. Shouldn't that be enough? And I'm like, well, first of all, that's great that you're doing it. And the answer is should is the operative word. Because sometimes the blockages are so intense or so numerous or so chronic that those are no longer enough. And the only way you're going to move them is to get in there and do some heavy lifting. And you use these two things known as your hands and you move them around. It's like taking a, a think of a stream that's got water going in it because lymph is mostly water. And there's a couple of big rocks blocking it. I can try to push more water there, but that might not work. I got to get in. I got to move those suckers out of the way. So what I think that they're going to find is they're going to hopefully get a mixture where you'll combine manual intervention, where they may be able to find some genetic factors or pharmacological interventions so they can both be used at the same time, which would be a really wonderful combination. Yeah. What about things like the, uh, are you familiar with the Mark Pro? I'm sure you are. Things like that, that pulse the muscles. Do you think that helps with the lymphatic system? Oh, yeah. 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 Anytime, anytime you move any, push, any part of the body, you move limp. If I touch you, I move limp. Right. All all type of touch or all types of pressure moves lymphatics. So the question is, where are you moving it? Right. Up towards the collarbone, I'm guessing. Well, that's where it's supposed to go. Yeah. Right. So you mentioned pressure before. And this is really, really fundamental for people to understand, because if you understand how fluid pressure works in the body, you can figure anything out. And most people don't know how it works because they don't think about pressure. So here's how it works. With fluids, it's called hydrodynamics. They go from high pressure to low pressure. So fluids will always go from a high pressure to a low pressure. Think about a water dam holding back uh, like a lake. You've got all the water on one side, a ton of pressure. You've got no water on the other side. If I open up the doors of the dam, where does the water naturally want to go? Well, to yeah. where there's no water. That's the easiest. Okay. So the lowest pressure in your body in relationship to lymphatics and veins is at the collarbone. So everything naturally wants to go there. So now I'm going to ask the opposite question. If that's the lowest, where would the highest pressure be if you thought about it? Distal. Feet. The yes. furthest distance away. Yeah. Which is in your hands, in yeah. your head. Or in your feet. And that's why the feet and the hands swell up so much. One, because they got to fight gravity, which is always there. But two, that's the highest pressure. Right? But in order to get there, it's not a single, easy, straight line pipe shot. It's not that easy, man. Guess what you have to get through? The 600 to 700 lymph nodes I just told you about. And each one of those has a pressure gradient. So if you have blockages in some of the lymph nodes or what we call clusters, they gather in groups, that increases pressure in certain areas that the flow can't get through. So it can't reach the neck, even when it wants to get to the neck. Now I'm going to go back to the beautiful design of the human body and why how nature is really smart. So we know that the lymph nodes are little toilets, right? And we know that movement moves lymph. And breathing moves length. So you get most of it in your gut. That's the diaphragm connection. And then puts 
all of the clusters in the primary joints of your body that you're supposed to get the most flexion and extension and motion in. The back of the knees, the front of the hip, the shoulder, and the top of the neck. And those are the areas where, guess what? Most humans don't move because sitting closes every single one of those down. Sagittal movements close every single one of those things down, right? So that's why you have to go in and work those joint areas a lot, but you have to do it in the right order. And this, this I need everybody to really listen on. This is a big one. You always have to start at the lowest pressure and work your way out to the highest pressure. You never start at the highest pressure and work your way towards the lowest. Because it's about clearing the pressure for that for that relationship to actually occur. So what does that mean in the therapeutic world? I'm going to give you an example. Somebody comes in with a swollen right ankle that you want to rehab. First of all, why are they seeing you in the first place? Because it hurts and it's swollen and, it, and, and, and I'm like, okay, well, I've got all these therapies to fix that ankle. Why do you do the therapies in there to reduce inflammation? Then I'm going to ask you, what's the number one system to do that? The lymphatics. And then I'm going to say, think about where that ankle's got to send all that swelling. And now you better tell me the neck. And then I'm going to say, why are you doing all of your therapies to the ankle? Because you want to get blood flow there. Yes. Well, where does that come from? Doesn't come from the foot. <laughs> it comes from the higher up. Right. So. The stuff to go to the foot, the stuff to go away from the foot, it, it's all got to go uh, from higher up. So in my world, I could easily start treating your foot, no problem, but I'm not going to. I need to go and make sure that the supply chain in and the supply chain out actually functions well. Then I'm going to go to your foot. That's super interesting. So if you have an ankle injury, you're going to be clearing the neck and working way down the body towards the lower extremity, and then you'll start working on the ankle. Yes, because what I have to do is now that person's lymphatic system may be okay. It may not be compromised, but I highly doubt it. So what I have to do is I have to assess to make sure. And even if it is functioning well, I want to I want to clear those areas anyway, so I can make them even better. So when I go to the ankle, right? Because somebody may have had an underlying lymphatic circulation issue for a long period of time, and then they get the ankle injury, and that's the catalyst that sets the whole system off. Not just the ankle, but a lot of other issues, right? So that's where in my world, you have to look and make sure that you don't have any swelling at your collarbone. If you have any swelling at your collarbone, automatically know your entire lymph system is a hot mess. It's a no joke. We got to work it. Then I'm going to check the next biggest place that you have lymph gathering, which is in the abdomen, right? And that's where your aorta sits. And that's where you get your blood flow to your foot. So if you're blocked in your abdomen in any way, shape, or form, you're going to struggle to get well, right? And, and you're assessing by like a feeling? Like how, do you, how do you assess the abdomen? Great question. So one, I'm going to go by your symptom list, like a lot of what you checked off uh, on your initial history. Because I'm going to take a look at all your other systems, not just your foot. And then I'm going to assess where you may have clinical signs of um, a lymphatic system problem, um, a pain in other places, 
swelling and inflammation and edema in other places that you were not aware of because you're so focused on your foot or what your skin looks like. Or it's really easy, like in the world of manual therapy, I stick my fingers in your abdomen and see if you want to punch me in the face. <laughs> if you do, I already know it's a problem. What that means is that it's tender, there's puffiness, there's swelling, or there's guarding, or there's vulnerability. So you're not supposed to hurt when I push on tissue up to a point. I mean, I can make anything hurt, but I need to see if you have that reaction, right? And then I'll do the same thing in the crease of the groin. Because if your crease of your groin has a blockage in it in the inguinal lymph nodes, your foot's really going to struggle to get uh, supply to it. How often do you think that a groin pain issue is overly blamed on a hip flexor when it's really a lymph problem? <laughs> oh, probably 100%. <laughs> yeah. And this is yeah. completely changing my idea of like what a baker cyst is and how to manage it too. Would you, do you think a yeah. baker cyst is something separate or is this falling right into what you're talking about? That's a great question. So I get asked this question a lot. First of all, I don't believe there's anything separate in the body. It never exists. Um, it's fluid, but it's a different compartment. They're there. So doing lymphatic work, you may have a difference in the, the cyst draining, but then I'm going to ask myself, why the hell did you get the cyst in the first place? Like what's the environment in your body that, that it says to itself, my only option is to make a cyst and expand something. So any kind of mucus or cyst and stuff like that's a protective response. Encapsulate something to protect it. All right. And of course you can get that from trauma, but you're going to protect that too. So once I'm going to, I'm going to go back and look at that surrounding an environment. So the, the analogy that I give everybody that will really send this home is I gave the toilet analogy, but my program is called body aquarium, lymphatic mojo. So think about a fish tank. It's a perfect example, right? So you've got a tank and in the tank, you got water. And then hopefully you have fish that are alive and beautiful, and wonderful and thriving. You got all different kinds of fish in there, right? Just like your cells. And to keep that water healthy, what do you need? Movement. Yeah. You need oxygen in the water, but you need it to move and you need a filtration system. If you got a really nice tank that's tucked up underneath, then you don't see it, but there's a lot of pipes in there, right? Cause that, Guess what? It recycles out the fish poop, <laughs> the, the food that you're putting in there so you can keep oxygen in there. What happens when the filter system goes eventually to the fish water and then the glass? It it's starts to get green. Yeah. It gets algae. It gets fungus. It gets parasites. It gets bacteria. It gets low oxygen. The fish start to get all this crap growing on them. And if you go up close to the tank and you look at a fish, I know some people are on video. They may see me or not. But you ever see a fish struggling to breathe? It goes, <gasps> right? It can't breathe. There's no yeah. oxygen. It's got hypoxic in the water. Well, that's exactly what happens to your cells because you, you get hypoxia low oxygen. And, and I tell everybody, if pain is on board, you have low oxygen somewhere. You just got to find it. Yeah. Maybe you're not getting it because your breathing is off. Maybe you're off because the carbon dioxide's off. Well, once again, you're back to the veins for the waste management part, but you got to find it. All right. So, and I tell people, you know, 
you can go in and clean that fish tank and, you know, I could take the water out and put brand new water in and I could put brand new fish in. And then a week later, what's going to happen? Same thing. Same thing over and over and over and over. And then I say, well, what would you want to do to make sure that it come? Well, I'm going to change the filter system underneath. Exactly. So that's what I'm trying to tell people because that's what happens in the therapy world. Over and over and over. This keeps coming back. Let's try this. This keeps coming back. Ask yourself, why is that? Right? Assuming that not something is not broken and you've got a permanent disability and sometimes that happens, you just have to manage something so you don't suffer as much. But even then, I'm going to tell you, I can make you feel better if I clean the tank that it's living in. So when people say, could limp work help this? Could limp work help that? I always say back, think about the fish tank. Like if you've yeah. got healthy water, you stand a fighting chance. You probably got a good chance. If you don't have healthy water, I don't care what the hell you do. It ain't going to make a long-term difference. No way, no how, because it's fundamental law of basics. That's it. That makes a lot of sense. So would you approach anything any differently if you are looking at somebody who has that diagnosis of lymphedema um, versus somebody who has just an overall um, dysfunction with their lymphatic system? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, you, you've got the obvious clinical signs of lymphedema, and it also can be con combined with what they call lip edema, lip edema, more, more of a, a fat adipose type thing. They're the same, but they're different. Um, both there's, there's no cure for either one right now. You have primary lymphedema, which is a genetic one. They're usually born with, and it can get kicked off at any time. And you're always going to have that no matter what, and you got to manage it. Then you got secondary lymphedema, which develops over time, very often through lifestyles and behaviors or stuff like diabetes or metabolic syndrome and, uh, obesity or surgical intervention like breast removal or cancer, stuff like that. So you'll still treat them the same in my world. It's just your long-term access might be a little bit different because the reason lymphedema is so hard to treat is because not everybody gets it the same way. Mm -hmm. There's no universal if this, then that, because one protocol can work for one and not work for another, except for how you do the, the order that you do the lymphatics and that always changes. That's why they're struggling to find a pharmacological intervention because it has to be a very narrow window for it to work on a particular gene that's called a prox one is the one that they're working with um so if i have lymphedema i already know something one that your system really struggles with its ability to detox and the lymphatic system to work where you have the lymphatic system problems let's say your left leg is really swollen I know that the valves in that leg are most likely damaged and unable to function well because these valves are supposed to open and close to let fluid in and not out. And then these other valves inside, they're called lymphangiones, a little mini hearts with some smooth muscles that actually will help move that fluid back up towards your heart. That can become compromised and how far it comes back depends on the individual. But you also have to keep in mind that that pressure in your leg is going to be beholden to the higher pressure further up the body. So if you have a, a bigger pressure higher up that you don't clear, you're going to really struggle in the legs no matter what you do, right? If somebody comes on in and then they are um, 
let's say they look relatively athletic or healthy, or they have a chronic pain problem. Uh, I'm going to be able to do more lymphatic work to them initially. Cause I know their system can tolerate it. Mm-hmm. I'll still reset it the exact same way. You don't ever, you never change the order uh, from the collarbone out. You just have to change a couple of things, how much I do, how much they can tolerate. Right. And maybe the amount of pressure that I add when I do the technique. Okay. And so there's a lot of different factors. Some of it has just got to come with the the more experience that you have. You learn that. Well, and speaking of, you know, addressing it in that way. So I know in the traditional, so (laughs) um, in full disclosure here, I actually um, got into all of the lymphatic stuff for a similar but different reason as you with just the personal experience. So mm-hmm. I actually had cancer and then had lymph nodes removed. So I have lymphedema in my left leg and okay. that's kind of how I started my journey as well. Um, but, you know, in a lot of the traditional ways of addressing that stuff, they talk a lot about anastomoses and, you know, you clear the trunk and these different things first. Yeah. So um, do you feel, I mean, I, I'm not asking you to d- agree or disagree, but do you do something similar with, is that kind of what you're talking about, you know, clearing a blockage higher up, lower pressure in order to, you know, move the fluid there. Yes, correct. And and I would agree with that approach that they're doing because let's say in your case, you know, they put, they remove some lymph nodes, most likely inguinal sometime, mm-hmm. you know, in the groin. Um, and so it could become compromised because some of it's missing or you got scar tissue there and tightness and it can't go up. So in, in my work, I never start uh, isolated. I don't, uh, I never would never start in your leg, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because, it, because now that you know how pressure works, I need to make sure that the pressure is open from the neck down. Mm-hmm. Because when you open that up, you actually form a, almost like a suction type pressure as well. Because yeah, the exactly. suction happens from your breathing. Right. More so from what they call your intrathoracic pressure, the difference between the thorax pressure and your abdomen pressure and your head and your neck. Mm-hmm. So those drive uh, movement. They drive how tissues move. Pressure, pressure determines how fluids move. So you would make sure that that's opened. And then also you want to make sure you don't just work on that leg because they're finding that the body will have some anastomosis or connections and where if it, if it can't get out one way, the body is resilient for life. It, it'll try to find another way out. So you'll actually create different ways for lymph to get out. It's called lymphangiogenesis. So what that means is that your left hip will now try to send fluid to your right hip. So it'll try to say, hey, lymph node's on the right. You're, you're okay. So can you take some of my load? And the lymph goes, sure, man, send it on over. <laughs> and then it can also send it up to the right to, so it's your left leg. It'll send it up to your left shoulder. So your left shoulder. So that's why you have to make sure that you clear the big clusters of pressure because that leg is going to try to send it many different places, many different places. (laughs) So that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's awesome. And how would you explain that suction mechanism to somebody who really had no idea about anything like that? That's, that's a good question. Uh, it, it takes a little time to explain that, but it's, <laughs> it's almost kind of like the same thing that I mentioned with high pressure to low pressure, you know, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So you, you know, that something of higher pressure is going to go to something of lower pressure. 
right? Um, so that's why the, the breathing from the diaphragm is so important because when you breathe in through the diaphragm, uh, it, it expands what they call intra-abdominal inside the abdomen pressure. <laughs> so that gets increased. And if that gets increased, it's going to push out against other pressure, right? Um, now, the highest pressure that you have in the body is in the pelvis. So that's where your pelvic diaphragm or pelvic floor sits. That's why if, if people cough or sneeze, sometimes they pee because they can't can't control the pressure, you know, and they may have pelvic floor dysfunction. It's a safe bet that most people might, and that'll compromise lymphatics as well. Um, but now that you know that the negative pressure is in the neck, that's where the abdomen wants to go, right? So it's, it's harder to do without giving like a visual, like when I draw on it, but I want you to imagine this, that if you've got a positive pressure down below and a negative pressure higher up, the positive is going to go towards the negative. What happens if I start to increase the pressure higher up? So it's negative, but it's not as negative. So it's starting to get a little more positive. It's going higher and higher and higher. That means it's pushing down on the lower one. And the lower one wants to come up, but the top one is saying, uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care if you're doing that or not. So you can't force the one on the bottom to push it up. I mean, you could, but that's not gonna work out well. Push it up this way. Or you could just ask the one up top <laughs> and work on that to let that go down to go down. That's why breathing through the diaphragm is great because you increase the pressure down low and you decrease it up top. When you breathe through the lungs and the neck, it's the exact opposite. You Which is increase most people that these days. Yeah. yeah, most people are chest breathers these days, right? So it's, it's like a quadruple whammy. So people are eating kind of garbage. They become sedentary. They're chest breathing, right? And stress is through the roof and they're in this like constant sympathetic tone. Right. It's, it's, and yeah. I think that's why we see autoimmune disease like on such a high incline right now. I would agree with that. And, you know, there's a lot of different factors that stack on top of each other over a long period of time that your body can only take so much compensation and adaptation. And it's yesterday you were good and today you're not, that that's the way it works. Uh -huh. Right. So that's why you have to ask about and look and check for some of these fundamental boxes. That's why the basics matter. Like I'm going to ask, are you dehydrated? Because if you're dehydrated, all the fluid in the body gets more sluggish and viscous and thick. That's not going to work well, right? If you're dehydrated, nothing's going to work. Then I'm going to ask you about your breathing, right? And because I need to know if that's well, if I have those two markers working against me, when you leave my office, well, you're going to be seeing me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Or, or are you moving? And if so, how all those different things. And so there is small little things that you can do in your daily habits and behaviors that can make a big difference on this system. And the lymph system just doesn't go kaputs overnight. It can take uh, months, weeks, years, often decades for people. People always say, so where, where do I start? Well, awareness is the first part. Because you, you can't change it until you know what it is. So now it's no longer lymph. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> so now I want you to at least Google it and then start to learn about it. And then you can begin to start to work it. 
And it's not difficult. It's not hard. I teach people of all walks of life to do it. Um, it's just understanding some fundamental basic principles. And then you can make a big difference. I, I'll tell you, it could be transformational. And it's, I'm not kidding you. It's, it's so fascinating. It's, in, in my 30 years of doing this stuff, I'll tell you, it's the single most powerful thing that I've learned to do uh, and teach and show other people. And it's just beginning, you know. Yes, where, where, do, sorry, go no, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> where do people learn more about like the types of exercises? Do you have like a YouTube channel that you send people to? Uh, yeah, I have quite a lot of social media stuff up there. If you go to my stopchasingpain.com is the mm -hmm. central hub. There's little icons up there that you can go and I'm on Instagram, probably at this point, an unhealthy amount, I might say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm on there and uh, I'm on the YouTube channel and stuff like that. And we have many different offerings for people to can to see stuff for free and then self-help videos and then more intensive courses. I mean, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, I'm going to be waiting at each one. No problem. <laughs> we, we got a lot for you to go. Um, but it's just the, the be able to take some steps to empower yourself to change your life a little bit by doing some limp work. Yeah, I took your uh, body mojo course and absolutely loved it. And I was like, I need more of this information. <laughs> oh, thank what well, that that's wonderful. I love that. Thank you very much. Of course, I'm glad. Yeah, uh, we're running a little short on time. I think Amanda, did you have a question? Yeah, I I have a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I think just going, you know, speaking to what you were saying about, you know, giving access basically to everybody, you know, because I think that's so important, you know, in both my personal experience and just professionally with um, getting into working on lymph with clients as well. I think one of the biggest things is the lack of one ability for people to do it to themselves or know how to do it uh, one, mm. because they don't know about it to begin with, but also a lot of the traditional things that are out there are so tedious and lengthy and they require, you know, the information is guarded like this huge secret and <laughs> it's really unfortunate. So, you know, I, I think it's really great how accessible you make all of this to everybody, especially considering how important it is. And um, not just for people like me that have lymphedema, but, you know, just anybody dealing with anything, like you said, just living. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with what you said a thousand percent. Yeah, it, it's something that everybody can do. It's not difficult. People will make it complicated and difficult because, you know, it makes their services more valuable, but it's not complicated and it's not difficult. And don't let anybody tell you that it is because it's not. Um, cause anybody can make something complicated. That's not difficult. That's not hard to do. Um, and if you just do some of those simple interventions and then people go, wow, I mean, I had no idea. Thank you so much. I, I get messages every day from people that say, I can't believe it. You told me to just rub these six places and I feel better than I've felt in five years. It's amazing. How, how can that be? I'm like, well, I just told you over this last hour why that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got a, uh, kind of a specific question. Um, so I've sort of jumped on the cold water immersion, ice bath sort of <laughs> trend. I absolutely ah. love it. Uh, do you see that? I mean, I, I imagine it has some effect on the, the vasculature and lymphatic system because it's constriction. Do you see that as a positive thing for the uh, lymphatic system? Yeah, I think so. I've seen some encouraging research on that for some where the, the cold exposure is helpful for lymphatics. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. It's not something that I'm very familiar with because it's not something that I do or I've studied yet. I'll probably yeah. get into that more in 2023. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a heat person because I follow more Eastern medicine perspectives mm -hmm. on opening 
things up um, from there. But yeah, any anytime that you change how uh, tissues respond to their environment, you're, you're going to change how fluids move, right? Um, the only thing that I've found in relationship, at least for my patient population, is that that cold therapy can be really, really great, but you've got to ease into it. Um, because the people that I see are usually sick for a long period of time. They've got autoimmune disease or polyautoimmunity, more than one. They become hypersensitive to any interventions at all. Yeah. And sometimes the contrast to that extreme cold puts them into a shock response. And th they feel great. And it, it does some good stuff physiologically like it's supposed to. But ultimately, it can shock the system and slow progress. So you have to, you have to tread lightly. It, uh, depending on the client base that you're working with. Yeah. That's why when I do anything with cold, I always start with just the face. So it can be too much too fast for the wrong person. Uh, it, it can be, yeah, because it's not just that you're doing really great things to a system. I need to know, can this individual person's system tolerate that at this moment on this particular day in this second? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and that's very individual. That's very, very specific. So there's, there's no cookie cutter uh, things in my, the only cookie cutter thing I'm more, I'm going to tell you is you always go from low pressure to high pressure. That's it. That's the only thing I'm ever going to tell you never changes. <laughs> well, I think there's, I think we have one last specific question. Are you cool with me asking about that? Yeah. yeah. So can you go ahead and ask it? Which one? The element one. Oh, okay. So one, a general question um, about, you know, I know when you're looking to support your lymphatic system, you're looking at, you know, like you said, the nutrients in. Um, so I guess my first question would be, do you have any specific, you know, diet that you feel is the most supportive or any certain foods that you feel like really make a difference um, when it comes yeah, to the lymphatic system? This is always a fun one. <laughs> um, I, I know I only have a couple minutes, but usually it's, it's a joke that I always say is that, you know, they tell you when you go into social situations to never discuss religion and politics. <laughs> Yeah. Nutrition is the third one. Absolutely. <laughs> because everybody's so polarized on that one because it's, it's highly individual, but you also have to keep one thing in mind. Another role that I didn't mention in the lymphatics is uh, fatty, fatty transport, fatty acid transport. It's supposed to transmit long chain fatty acids that, that go into your gut. And those are all the crappy ones that you don't want, right? The canola oil, the sunflower, oil, the sapphire oil, all those things that are in most stuff that people eat. So one of the things I tell people is to definitely watch your long chain fatty acid ingestion and try to go for more short chain fatty acids and medium chain fatty acids. And I found um, Mediterranean diet overall has seemed to be quite successful for the clientele that I've done. Um, intermittent fasting also works well because you give your gut a little bit of a break over the course of about 12 to 16 <laughs> hours. Um, so that that's really, really important as well. And Probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I can give you of if you pick up any diet book on the planet Earth that's ever been published, they all tell you pretty much the same thing, <laughs> right? Um, stop eating so much crap. And I don't need to tell you what it is because you already know what it is. Uh, sugar being a big one because that's the lipopolysaccharides, gram-negative bacteria. That ain't going to work out well for your lymph. Um, and you know, stop eating that junk food and uh, processed foods and go a little bit more balanced because the other thing I tell people is that sometimes you get better, not from what you start doing, but from what you stop doing. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then the very um, specific question, 
So, you know, I've been weight training and I know in some ways that can be contraindicated with lymphedema, but um, anyway, as a part of all of that, one of the things I've been taking is this element stuff. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like the salt, potassium, it's, you know, you add it to your water and it's supposed to help when you're working out. And I've noticed an increase in the swelling this last couple of months and recently had to take a little bit of a break from working out. So therefore quit drinking the element. And a lot of my swelling went down. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you feel like, is there any salt um, related issue with regu- the lymphatic system in general, or if that might just be something <laughs> kind of a coincidence? That's a really good question. I, I would I would think down a yes in that one in some way, shape or form. One, because all the systems interrelate to each other. And if you're going to talk anything with fluid balance in the body, you have to bring the uh, lymphatic system into the mix. So most humans are deficient in their cellular salts, right? That That's one reason why just drinking regular water isn't enough for most people because they, they just pee it out or it swells around the cells and doesn't go in. But it also comes into a point sometimes to a point of, okay, what's your dosage of what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? On that one. Uh, and it's, it's like I tell people too, is that, you know, you're allowed to have more than one problem, which means <laughs> that there's, there's probably a couple of other factors going on into that one as mm-hmm. well. But yeah, I, I, I really believe that there's going to be a lymphatic component. How much, I don't know. And how much is driving the overall picture, I don't know. But there's going to be a piece of it somewhere. And what what I'd like to end with, because I know you got to go, is a very important thing. Stop chasing pain. What that means is it doesn't mean stop treating pain. It means stop chasing it. You always want to treat where it hurts because you want to show empathy and it hurts and people expect you to. But when it comes to the lymphatic system, you can have an area of pain that that's not the greatest location of lymphatic compromise or blood flow at all. It can be coming from someplace completely different. And I'm going to tell you right now, it always is. (laughs) X never marks the spot. So that's why you have to look at all of the lymphatic system because you can feel something in one place that's actually coming from an issue somewhere else. Does that make sense? And that's really important in relationship. That's why I never, ever, ever do isolated lymphatic work. Never. I do it after I do a global picture. That makes a lot of sense. It does. Yeah. Clarifies a lot for me too. Well, um, yeah. Well, feel free to reach out to me after the yeah. show. I mean, I'll be happy to help you with anything else or questions that you have for yourself personally or whatever, because I know we're on a time Thank crunch, you. but <laughs> yeah, you reach I out. I appreciate okay? it. Yeah. I feel like I could ask you questions on this for hours. Yeah. <laughs> I can keep going for hours. <laughs> I teach a course that's 16 hours long, dude, we just getting started. <laughs> Well, Perry, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll definitely reach out for more information. Uh, yeah. So your website one more time was what? Stopchasingpain.com? You got it right got there. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Why guess when you can test? Do you get hangry or crash after a carb-heavy meal? These could be indicators that there is a dysfunction in your blood glucose regulation. If left unchecked, it can lead to irreversible changes. If you catch it quick enough, you can make diet and lifestyle changes that will get your levels where they need to be. 88% of Americans are pre-diabetic and don't know it. 
Diabetes underpins many of the pathologies we deal with in this country, such as obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, and stroke. For some reason, it is rarely screened with your physician, and if they do test for blood glucose, it's usually with an A1C or a fasting glucose, which can sometimes give you a false negative. NutriSense is a company that supplies continuous glucose monitors. We've paired with NutriSense to get you real-time data to see how your physiology responds to glucose. The NutriSense app lets you track your daily activity to see how food, sleep, exercise, and stress impact your glucose. You can log or import this data into the NutriSense app to see the effect on your blood glucose levels as soon as it happens. Use the code DRCHRIS25 for $25 off your order today. Do you have unexplained pain? Or do you wonder just how healthy you are? When was the last time you had your blood tested? Blood chemistry analysis is a great tool to stay ahead of any health conditions. And now you can have control of your health with Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked is an incredible company that sends blood tests to your home. You can choose from over 30 different tests, whether that's thyroid function, testosterone, micronutrient, cholesterol, or C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. It is sent to you with free shipping and you get your results in two to five days. No physician referral needed. Use the code DPT25 for 25% off. You can find links in the show notes. Did you know that you can get started with physical therapy without a physician's referral? Physical therapists don't just solve pain. We get down to the root cause and keep it from coming back. We also discuss all things health, such as nutrition and lifestyle changes. If you feel that you could use some help, let's get on a free consult call. Go to www.dynamicnaples.com and sign up for a free call. Also, if you like this podcast, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us spread the message. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.